Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewcast. I'm Gareth Crater, Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net, where we cover all things entertainment, movies, games, television, hardware, travel, tourism, pop culture, and more. And I want to thank Sci-Fi Radio, S-C-I-F-I.radio, as they are one of the newer syndicators of our show. You can catch us there each Friday. They have it in the morning. They have it in the evening, and they also have our some of our, our reviews as well as content from all these other gifted writers and all sorts of shows and music of a science fiction nature you definitely want to check out. We have Skewed in the Review, the magazine that will come out uh, quarterly. We're currently working on the um, issue for late September, and I can tell you now Call of Duty Vanguard and Far Cry 6 are going to be cover stories as well as a fall movie preview uh, some Halloween entertainment recaps from the theme parks in California, and much more. we got a lot of stuff going into that. Uh, we have our, my weekly segment on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM, and uh, we simulcast that on the site. And, of course, cannot forget Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, Keyword Skewed, which is a network of 12 newspapers, excuse me, 21... Uh, 12 newspapers and 21 markets. That's the best way to describe it. And so we have uh, game reviews and all sorts of content there. Lots of stuff going on. And I wanted to apologize for last week. We didn't get to a segment, and we try very hard, no matter what our schedule, to always make sure there is a segment. It was just a simple matter of there were a lot of moving parts going on. Uh, we had uh, crew at um, CinemaCon. We had crew uh, covering other events. We had uh, some people that were getting ready to cover some upcoming stuff and travel. And it was just one of those things, literally, that by the time we were able to get everyone roughly together and on the same page, it was already um, essentially Friday night, Saturday uh, morning. We had other members of the crew that were in transit that day. And it was just one of those things that everything lined up to make it very difficult. So we just decided that we would sit tight and then come back again the following week. So uh, joined with, as always, with Justin and Michael and Joseph, and we got a lot of stuff to cover. But before we get into the news of the day, recapping some stuff that's coming up, wanted to open up with uh, Joseph, who was one of the three people we had covering the return of PAX, uh, who recently last week up in Seattle, the Penny Arcade PAX, uh, resumed live shows, and this would be the first one since 2019, uh, PAX East, which was ironically one of the last shows to go on before everything got shut down. So Joseph, well, tell us about it. What happened? Well, it was a show. Um, <laughs> it, You know, it was... I was worried going in, especially as they're starting to put new mandates back up here in, in Washington about how people were going to react to you have to have the vaccine or you have to have a negative test and you have to have your mask on at all times there. But it, it actually probably was a, I didn't experience any issues with it at all. There was a it was a good crowd and most people for, people for the most part were respectful of their surroundings and trying not to be too in in other people's faces about it um but uh the the meat of the show 
the games and everything, there seemed to be a large focus on tabletop gaming this year. And it's actually no no surprise because we did have um, ahead of time their schedule, although not as far ahead of time as some people would have liked, um, that didn't show any major players there. Um, the biggest name that we saw was uh, Namco Bandai. And they the game that they had showing... the well, the one that they paid most attention to, because I didn't see anything else, was their new Tales of Arise game. But I didn't see anything else that they were pushing out in terms of toys or other of any other smaller games. Um, but like I said, the tabletop was out in droves. Um, this year, Level Up Dice had probably one of the biggest booths I've ever seen them have. And it, they were selling stuff. And, and the, a lot of the board games were just going. I picked up a couple of new card games myself. Um, but probably the best experience that I've had at this PAX was just seeing people out and cosplaying, honestly. Because it's nice to be able to come back to something that's familiar and see the creativity and that people have been longing for this past year and a half. And so it was really nice to see the people come out and support that and then also just everybody being pretty respectful of each other. It was just kind of a refreshing change considering everything that's going on in the world. Um, longest lines were at merch booths, uh, not surprising, but um, most of the floors were taken up by spaces where that they provided for you to eat that had spaced out tables and everything uh, for safety purposes. And all, all in all, probably about a third of the size of the last packs that I attended in 2019. Is that it, Gareth? Yeah, 2019. Yeah, 2019. <clears throat> I was able to walk the floor about two times in the three and a half hours that I was there, and I'm not talking just the main floor. I mean, that was I was getting to pretty much most nook and crannies, if not all, including the little theaters and the things that they were doing in the annex as well. Overall, it was good. I, I don't think it was worth the price that some people had to pay for it, though. Um, especially at $60 a day, $240 for the four-day pass. I honestly think that anybody who paid for the four-day pass got they got pretty ripped off. And that was one of the things I was curious about is that we, due to the nature of what we do about, what, six weeks ago, I guess, seven weeks, maybe longer, started to get the vibe based on who was contacting us and stuff, that this would be more like Pack South with a predominantly indie, and in some cases, smaller indie companies versus what we expect to see at PACs. I mean, you know what are ever since we've been covering it our first stop is always the playstation booth and you have microsoft and you have nintendo and ubisoft and warner brothers and you know on and on capcom 2k bethesda and none of that was in play this year sega none of it in play and then even on the hardware side there you don't see you know razor and corsair and msi and all of that and so i was curious did you hear people griping about not being ha happy with this, uh, what was there, or did they generally seem to just say, I'm glad to be out and, uh, you know, this is better than nothing? Well, I think I think that it was kind of a mix of both. There was people that I could see, like, and hear, like, visibly and audibly just saying, like, hey, you know, this wasn't what I expected. And rightfully so. Like, you, you remember, you go in there and it's a whole spectacle booth to booth it's just a different world and it's dark and this felt more like a comic con than anything else that i've ever been to in terms of packs 
And when um, you say Comic-Con, by the way, are you referring to like Emerald City Comic-Con and stuff? No. Well, yeah, probably more on the scale of Emerald City than is compared to San Diego Comic-Con. Um, it just, it was, it w- didn't have the same vibe. It wasn't, it was, it felt, and not that it's a bad thing, it's just not PAX in that way, but it felt open and airy and bright. But when you're used to going to PAX and being in, uh, like an area where they have to keep the lights dim because there's so many competing screens going with each other and everything like that just didn't have that feel and I'm guessing you didn't see elaborate booths and props and interactive things and no. things like that no and and you'll see in some of the pictures that I get out to you the, the probably most interactive thing was a man dressed in a shark suit trying to get you to come over and play his game <laughs> oh wow <laughs> alright and um Justin and Michael, do either of you have any questions for Joseph about the show? So, no, no real questions. I think we covered most of it. It's just kind of, I, I guess, a little disappointing. I'm hoping that most of the people that had the four-day passes were carryovers from two years ago and weren't new uh, purchasers. Because, again, I could see that would be something that maybe you could kind of complete in a day, um, you know, based on, Joseph, based on what you're telling us. So, yeah, I would have been a little concerned, I think, myself, if I, you know, ponied up for a three- or four-day pass and then kind of be left with not a whole lot to do with that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing – there wasn't even really any panels. And that, that was the other thing, too, is, like, the, the attraction was the floor. The biggest thing that had a schedule was the arena where they were doing the competitions and stuff, like, right there on the main floor – but like when we went up into the area where they had the panels before, it was so it was kind of eerie just to see those hallways empty. You know, and it's funny too because as I was telling Joseph off air a few days ago, I said it does in some ways seem almost like yesterday that it was September of 2019 and we were all there gathered Friday morning, um, and traditionally they let the press in one hour before, on the very first day before they open it to the general public. And they line us up in the outer area right before they open the doors. You go into this sky bridge area. There's the main hall on the one side. There's a sub hall on the other. And then, of course, uh, upstairs, there's where a lot of um, smaller companies do their booths and stuff like that. And there was a lot of trouble that day because they opened late because they kept saying the fire marshal hadn't given them the okay to open. And then when they did open the doors, they started letting in... um, groups that while they're supposed to be allowed early access they aren't supposed to get in before the press and so it created a lot of havoc that by the time we got in our press hour was already gone so we didn't get our early admission and so on and so forth and i remember like going to uh uh, what was it um borderlands 3 and there were these people that were literally trying to argue with us saying oh, they let the press in early, you had plenty of time to get in. And it's like, no, we were about 20th in line, and we didn't get in until five minutes before the normal opening time. So, you know, but once it got in, everything got smooth. And if you remember, Joseph, right after we did that, we still went, the very first thing we did was we went over to the Sony booth, and it was Predator Hunting Grounds. And I remember that very clearly because we all jumped in, and they were fantastic. You know, take your video, do whatever you want. And I remember very clearly you were playing the Predator and you were messing with people big time because we were all whipping through the AI thinking we've got this. And you were so sneaky that you let us think we were actually accomplishing the mission 
and then you picked everyone off in like a what was it like a five minute spurt you picked off the entire team yeah yeah it was it was pretty fun and then what happened we kept going back all, all weekend long and you know the staff did it it again is going to bring bring up the bigger narrative that you know we don't know what's going to happen next year there has there was some talk today from the government that they are just essentially going to take on a very serious um focused attack on this situation that you know don't want to get political but i i heard that mandates and stricter protocol uh, you know more widespread testing mandates stricter protocols because they're really focused now to knock this thing out once and for all because you know the mentality is it, it's spreading again the economy's suffering so let's you know it, it gets frustrating to keep saying well next year when things are normal but let's let's assume we get to next year e3's come back pax east has come back um pax online gamescom it will be interesting to see how many of these large companies are willing to come back put together the big booths that we're used to and how many of them are simply just going to say you know what i think we're going to write it out online for a while and that segues into our next topic uh, there was news today that sony has announced that playstation studios has acquired fire sprite and that is the apparently third new studio that sony has acquired this year and these were the folks who were behind playroom and various vr's titles so a lot of people are saying uh you know purchasing this british company is kind of a sign that they're still all in on vr and that uh, with the upcoming new VR that rumor is rumored to be coming out next year, lots of things ahead. So as we record this, tomorrow at 10 o'clock, PlayStation is gonna do their big showcase. So Justin, why don't you start us off here? What do you think we're gonna see? I mean, they've been kind of quiet for a while. Yeah. Um... Given that they've been quiet for so long, I'm kind of anticipating uh, hopefully a, a pretty big show. Um, I know like the longer that you haven't heard from a company, the more hype you, you tend to get. Uh, we didn't really hear anything from E3, and then there was a lot of speculation that we would have got a basically E3-sized showcase from them about a month later, and that didn't happen. So it's been quite some time since their last showcase, and li like you said, you know, Sony, it's actually not their first big acquisition uh they've been acquiring several studios over the course of the last few years um and also like you mentioned this is a, a vr centric studio so um that does imply that maybe we'll be seeing some sort of uh extension of psvr um uh, i don't i think that is definitely within the realm of possibility um that being also you know you kind of ex have to expect some of the the big the big ones so uh, God of War 2, for instance, I think that's uh, that's one that, you know, we could definitely see. Um, you know, I wonder if that Avowed game will show back up. Um, you know, potentially a, a multiplayer mode for Last of Us 2. Um, I'm hoping to, to see, you know, uh, some some surprises. Uh, I've heard some a few rumors here and there. Uh you know, again, grain of salt, but I've, I've heard rumors about a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake. Uh, that would be kind of a big deal uh, on, on PlayStation 5. Um, recently, there was, a you know, an Alan Wake remaster. I absolutely love Alan Wake. It's one of my favorite games. Um, 
you know, hopefully we can see maybe a little bit of glimpse of that. That's supposed to come out fairly soon. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of potential for things they can show off at their showcase. Uh, but really kind of the big, big one would be uh, God of War 2. I think that would be kind of like a headline uh, maker. Um, that would be one of their, their the biggest things they could possibly show there. Interesting. And I, I'll definitely have some thoughts on that to share. But um, Michael, what about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, so there are a lot of rumors floating around that we might see um, a new God of War a trailer or an update or something tomorrow. I know that's that's been kind of speculated on the on the web and across various places. Um, probably see some more about here or uh, Horizon Dawn, Forbidden yeah. West. Um, it's been a while since we've seen some of that. I know that's uh, slated to come out fairly soon. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. I know they showed that off already, but we might get to see a little bit more of an update on where that's at uh, and how that's kind of coming along. Um, one of the ones that that I've been interested in is a Forspoken. It's from Luminous Studios. Um, it's also being, I think, produced by Square Enix. Um, so there's some rumors that potentially we might see something like that as well. So, but yeah, I mean, Sony's been pretty quiet with a lot of their, um, a lot of the new stuff coming out. We've already kind of seen bits and pieces of, of this already. We've seen Ghostwire. We've seen Forbidden West. Um, we've seen, you know, some of these other other things. So yeah, I'll be really curious if they come out with any surprises again uh god of war is one of the things that i think most people are expecting uh but but again on, on top of that i would like to see some more you know first party studio type stuff and things that are really going to make um you know be, be some exclusives for playstation because realistically it's been kind of slow on that front so i think we, some good big announcements would be kind of welcome at this point absolutely joseph you have any uh thoughts on it i no, you're still trying to get your hands on a PS5, so yeah. soon. <laughs> well, we'll see. With uh, with raising kids, it's it's not easy to do. Um, <laughs> no, I honestly just thought it was really funny that they announced this showcase like the day before PAX started, <laughs> when they're normally probably the biggest uh, exhibitor at PAX. Um, but no, I think pretty much to echo what everybody else is saying, I think God of War 2 is probably the thing that we're going to see the the most or most likely to see at this thing if some sort of teaser probably not gameplay footage but just something to let us know hey it's almost upon us yeah I, I think you're right i think for most people that would be the one that if there isn't some kind of mention at least that's going to be what the disappointment is so here here are my crazy rumors i have heard rumors and like i said just rumors that they will announce a new infamous game that it will be oh, I hope so. <laughs> straight up designed to take advantage yeah, I like of all the first features. One a lot, that. So. Yeah. Now I was I've been a big fan of the series actually. It, and, the the first one was the best, but yeah. I didn't mind the other two. Now the wildest rumor is one that I've been basically hoping for for years, but I heard one place say they're hearing some traction that there may be life in the resistance franchise. And I'm like, well, that's good. But my, my only hesitation with that is they skipped the entire PS4 life cycle. Yeah, they, they went, did. I mean, I played them all on the PlayStation 3. Mm -hmm. Loved the series, honestly. Um, it was probably one of my first PlayStation exclusive series that I played through. So I would be interested in that. But you're right. We didn't see anything on PlayStation 4 with that. 
So it would be interesting to, to jump back into that environment. But remember, let's not forget Twisted Metal, that they skipped a console with that one and then came roaring back with a new game. So, but then they never followed it up past that, but who knows, you know, interesting stuff. And then I think they're obviously gonna have some things that we never heard of, uh, just something to throw the ball out at us. But then I started thinking about it is let's not forget that they have their deal with uh, Activision Call of Duty. We all know Call of Duty Vanguard's coming in November. They're starting the beta test play this weekend after they did the alpha mode. And I, you know, I got to thinking about it going, we had a multiplayer trailer the other day. I'm gonna throw this one out there. How about the first look at the zombie game mode? You know, we haven't we haven't heard anything about that other than that it's gonna have a zombie mode, but all we've seen is the alpha, uh, the pending beta, the multiplayer, little bit of the campaign. We've seen nothing on the zombie mode, so that could be a possibility. And I think that's the great thing about it is I, I think there's a lot of expectation and like anything, you know, there's going to be the people that no matter how great the presentation is, they're going to be complaining about, well, I didn't see this and I didn't get that. And it's like, well, you know, time and place for everything. Right? But it, it'll be very interesting. And I think one of the biggest things that I'm going to be circling is what's coming out at Christmas time. Because chip shortage, console shortage aside, those who can get their hands on it and those who already have got it, the system is going to be in hot demand this holiday season. And what is always one of the biggest gripes about whenever a new console comes out? Well, there's only a handful of games uh, designed for it for the first, you know, let's say year. Because yes, you have tons of games that'll play on the four and the five, but I mean, a game that you could say from the top down was originally designed with that in mind. People always want to complain about that. And, um, it'll be interesting to see because that traditionally is the time that you start rolling out the new products because you want them to buy the console and then buy a handful of games optimized for that system at the same time. And I think we're going to see a real rush of things. So interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point though, Gareth, because I honestly don't know that there is a big, a lot of big releases scheduled that we've seen coming out around the holidays uh, this Not year for anything, PC, no. console, anything. So I would like to see something. You know, and that's interesting because I was actually looking that over. I was talking to Genevieve about that the other day, and I'm like, all right, so what is coming between now and the end of the year? And, I, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of running it over on my fingers. Deathloop, um, Back for Blood, Call of Duty Vanguard, Far Cry 6. I mean, this is just my personal things. Obviously, there are others. But then I'm like, what am I missing? Because those are like the four that I really have my eye on. But... Beyond that, what is there? What am I missing? And that is going to be really interesting. I mean, yeah, you have World War Z aftermath. I mean, that's the thing. When you when you go through the first of the big high-profile things, but then you take a step back and you go, well, wait, there's this, and that could be all right. But, yeah, I think this is definitely what people are needing right now is let's get some release dates on some things that we don't know about um, well, and get did, people excited. I, I didn't hear. Did you mention Halo in your list? No, I have got specifically because I was referring to things that would be playable on the PlayStation. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, duh. Yeah. So, no, I mean, yeah, there are people that, that like the Halo games, obviously, so that, that goes without saying. Um, other things of note, I just wanted to really mention yeah, quickly, Fallout 76 had their brand new update come out today, 
And I don't know if you guys have followed this. This is rather interesting. I knew it was coming, but then when I actually took a serious look at it, and I, I mean look as look at it in have not played the new update yet, but looked at what was included in it. And it's intriguing. This could be a real game changer for them. And essentially what this new update does, it's called the Fallout Worlds update. And it's part of their season six update, but it will allow you to experience Appalachia like never before with public worlds. Each public world will feature specialized game settings fit to a theme. And so essentially, Players can now create custom worlds to build their own personalized versions of Appalachia using a wide variety of modifiable game settings. It's strictly the way Bethesda talks about it. And yes, there's various events like going up against the Diabolicals and uh, you know expansions, new reward stuff like that. But um, whip around the board with whoever plays it. Uh, what do you think about being able to craft your own world, as it were? I'll start first. So uh, I'll be honest. I I love the Fallout games. Fallout 76 never grabbed me, so I haven't touched it in probably two and a half years um, or longer. So, you know, I, the one thing I, I, I'm going to be honest, one of the things that I'm not a huge fan of in these game, types of games is crafting. Um, I've never, I've always been more about the experience. I've never been a big crafter. I mean, yeah, I know some games kind of require you to do that. But for me, that's, it's always been kind of the draw to the Fallout the Fallout 76 series is being able to craft your own settlements and craft your own environments and that sort of thing. So for me personally, I'm going to say that's, that doesn't draw me in. Uh, but again, that's very much a personal opinion. Although, again, I am a huge Fallout fan. I've completed all the other series. Just Fallout 76 is just one I've never been able to pull into. Uh, Justin or Joseph, either of you have a thought on that? Yeah, I'm going to pretty much echo Michael. Um, you know, I, I like fallout as a setting um but i've much more been more interested in like the rpg and kind of story elements um you know fallout vegas, new vegas is my favorite um i think it just has the strongest writing and and everything and i think that's to me the the most compelling part of fallout um fallout 4 like i liked it a lot but um I always felt like the crafting and the community management stuff, it was well designed for what it was, but it felt like a different game. Like when you were interacting with those uh, gameplay features, it felt like, you know, I was really taken away from the Fallout experience and I was playing something else. Um, not that it was bad per se, but, um, you know, and I think Fallout New or 76 sort of kind of was mostly those elements with multiplayer features and less RPG and story stuff with multiplayer features. So I, I didn't really get much into Fallout 76, uh, but uh, it's it's cool that they're they're supporting it. Um, you know, it had a very rough launch, so it's it's good that they're uh, kind of you know seeing it through and not abandoning the project. I think that's uh, definitely a good thing. Yeah, and. I'm not a fan of crafting myself. Uh, our good buddy Smid is uh, someone who spends a lot of time building and fixing and crafting in the game, and he really enjoys doing that. So whenever I need armor repaired or anything like that or a, a weapon that needs to be, I can do like the basic repairs and stuff, but if I need something built that's of an upper level, I'm always happy to just bring him the parts and let him do it. So, you know, for me, this is kind of one of those things that 
you have the abundance of time that you want to go out and make the, this brand new world, I'm happy to run around and play it. Uh, but I, I'm not the one that's going to craft because, <laughs> boy, this is going to date me really well. But uh, if you remember, Justin, when the original Doom remake came out, not the, re the last one, the one before, they had that tool in it to craft your own mazes yep. and maps. And they kept telling everyone how simple it was and how intuitive it was. And we tried to play around with it, and we really couldn't get anything near enough to the level that we wanted it to do because I have forever wanted to do an Event Horizon level that was essentially the bridge, the neck of the ship, the zero bra you know, the whole thing. I just thought that'd be a perfect setting, especially for a Gothic-style game like Doom. And I was like, just, you know, after an hour or two, all I'm doing is still moving boxes around, forget textures. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to work for me. I just... I don't have 20 hours or 40 hours to sit down and design a hallway, which is just one small part of a bigger level. Uh, but let's be honest, there's some incredibly creative people out there that have excessive amounts of time. So it'll be really interesting to see what they have. And then also it'll be interesting to see uh, how you can essentially go from your standardized version of the game into someone else's stuff is special items that they create uh transferable lots of stuff but you know i think it's just something that extends the overall life of the game and it will be uh you know some people will be very hardcore about it and some people will probably not be so hardcore about it so the final thing that i have tonight is that uh tomorrow night is the opening night of universal studios Halloween Horror Nights, and uh, they are going to be opening up and running select dates. Usually it's Thursday through Sunday, uh, all the way through Halloween right now. Yeah, exactly. September 9th through October 31st, and they have uh, what's promised to be a lot of stuff. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Netflix's Haunting of Hill House, and the Exorcist-themed mazes. I can tell you when I went... Uh, few years ago, because normally we have someone else cover it. Um, it's just schedule conflicts. Uh, I did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I did the Exorcist. I did the um, other stuff they have that are is returning, like the Halloween uh, May set. And I didn't get to do the Terror Tram, but I did the Walking Dead. And it was all good. And one of the clever things about it was they would have um, scents to uh, enhance uh, the experience. I don't want to give it away, but let's just say, like when you went into Regan's room in The Exorcist, there was a funny smell to it when you went into uh, the foresty area, even though you were in a building for um, Freddy versus Jason, you could smell the pine and stuff like that. There's a Bride of Frankenstein live show and lots of stuff planned, uh, you know, screen-filled zones, uh, live entertainment. They're going to have the Jabberwockies back, specialized food. One of the things I think is really interesting is that they're going to have certain rides open, but they will be in a uh, unique setting. So we'll talk about that stuff later. We have someone who's scheduling that because the following week, Genevieve and I are covering uh, Not Scary Farm and SeaWorld's Hallow Scream, which are gonna be opening a week later. So, uh, you know, fortunately, two back-to-back tri -back trips to California, especially with our schedule wasn't in the, uh, calling for this uh, year so we looked at it and said okay it's better to go and cover the two of them on one trip 
uh, then do the one as much as it uh, is difficult to miss that one, but at least we'll get our coverage in and hopefully we'll have that. So gentlemen, that is gonna do it for us tonight. Is there anything else that you wanted to um, talk about or add before we close it out? Nothing more for me. Nope, uh, matrix. New Matrix trailer on the ninth. Oh, <laughs> yeah. New Matrix trailer tomorrow. Absolutely. I got to see it already. Sorry, guys. Oh, I got yes. to see it at CinemaCon. Mr. CinemaCon here has yeah. already oh, seen that. Oh, look at you, Mr. Fancy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it Mr. Looks, Fancy Pants. It, it looks a lot more like the first one than the last two, if that helps. So. And Mr. Fancy Pants also saw the new Ghostbusters and Clifford movie, too. So. I did. Oh, you actually saw the full. Okay. The yeah, the full, full Ghostbusters. <laughs> And, and what Ivan Reitman and Jason Reitman were there to kick it off. And as, nice. as Michael will tell you, I was all set to go too, and then all these things came up, and it just became a, uh, okay, is this really uh, practical? Da, da 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 And you know, if I I could do this, and it was kind of well, we have three people there covering already, so if I don't do this, that frees me up to do this, this, and in turn that, and then the, their reports were coming in, and I was just like. Mm. Because traditionally, when the show is held, I don't go because we go to cinema. We go to uh, WonderCon shortly thereafter, and then we have Comic Con in the summer. So I've always said, "Oh, CinemaCon is for you guys." And this year, I thought, "Oh, I'd go." Like I said, things popped up, and it was just like, "Ah, I'll, I'll sit out." And their reports were coming in every day, every night, and all I could do is just sit there going, "Boy, that." is a very tough miss right there absolutely yeah, so the first 13 minutes of top gun is excellent too so yeah and then and then of course they push the movies back too so who knows when we're gonna see them that's right that's it gareth next year you and i cinemacon yeah, absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah it's, well here's the problem again at the date it's scheduled i'm supposed to do our disney cruise and then we're supposed to swing over to uh uh, what is it, WonderCon, right as, right as, literally, right as the boat gets back, we have to get off the boat, get in the car, and haul up from San Diego into Anaheim to go cover that. So, yeah, book your room now, Michael. <laughs> so what I just heard from you, Gareth, was it's me and Michael going to CinemaCon. And I yeah, that's, that's what I heard, too. I, I... Hey, hey, Michael, clarify something for me. I've been, I've been really curious about this. Um, I know when you go into the room, they have samples and all that stuff. But when you go into that area where they have all the candy and the drinks and the stuff that's going to be there, what they're essentially pitching to the theater owners to make a deal to include this in your theaters, you get all the samples you want, right? Well, sorta. So you get in. Um, for those who have never been, it, it's for the exhibitors and it's for the theater owners. You actually go in. They'll usually have bags, and then you get you do get samples. Um, they're usually the trial size samples uh, they usually have cotton candy popcorn um ices they always give out free ice cream bars that kind of thing so theoretically you sort of do but you're you're kind of restricted it's like one piece of candy per person kind of thing um and as press we tend to get a little bit less than you know if you're there for a meeting you might get the full-size box of candy uh, or if you're sneaky and they don't catch you you might get a full-size box of candy but um but yeah, it's it's fun. It's you do um, the show floor is really really entertaining. I really do like the exhibitionists and you know get to get to try the different candy, see the different things. So it's all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we were looking through that, and I mean obviously we've seen it for years with all your coverage, 
and they're like, oh, that looks good, that looks good, that looks good. <laughs> and then we saw the photo that you had of the one with the, uh, what was it, it had like the sweet tart ropes and the sour bites and all of that. And it was just like a whole table of those. And I, you know, my wife saw it and I was like, oh boy. And she was like, yep, I guess it's a good thing I'm not there, isn't it? Yeah, but we used to come time, back with a bag of, you know, popcorn, bags of popcorn, some candy, um, various things. Uh, but no, it's, it, it's a phenomenal experience. It's one of my, it's probably my favorite show of the entire year. Yeah. And see, and you know, the, the other thing I wanted to mention is apparently, I, I probably should mention this. I was considering putting it off until later. Everything we're hearing is that San Diego is going ahead with their limited show over Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, apparently, there's been some buzz that uh, they've already started to hit up. Hey, if you want to be an exhibitor, uh, tickets are going on sale soon. There was talk that the Comic-Con Museum just got a very nice endowment to help with their uh, you know, continued construction and everything. And there was also news that the planned date is they want to open Thanksgiving weekend in conjunction with the show. And, you know, we've all talked about, and they've been very clear about it, that obviously you're not going to go out and put a show that's on the level of the traditional July San Diego Comic-Con. But as we have discussed, something on the size of WonderCon or maybe a little smaller is certainly still a step forward. And I think that'll be really interesting to see, especially... Um, if they can get a couple of really good shows out there, like, for example, we had, um, I did want to mention this, we did have, um, uh, drawing a blank here, sorry, we had, we had Star Trek Day today, and we got a look at Star Trek New World, including the new cast, we got news that Star Trek Discovery is coming um, in November, we know Picard's coming, there was talk about the Borg Queen is going to be uh, appearing in the new uh season coming up and it's just a lot of really interesting and exciting stuff we are going to be definitely be talking about this soon but new york uh comic-con is coming next month we have someone all set to cover that so it will be interesting to see what kind of studio reception we've seen how some of the big game companies have stepped back it will really be curious to see film and television uh as you told me michael that you didn't see the usual star power at CinemaCon, out doing the presentation and the intros uh, to their films. But, you know, what's going to happen in a month? Very interesting to see. So, folks, aside from that, we've got a lot of stuff coming up for you. As always, do take care, be very safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.